All right, everybody, I do believe we are live. Welcome to another episode of the Break the Rules live stream. I am your host, Lev Polyakov. We've got the cheerful as a child, Ben Avery, with us <laughs> to talk about Elon Musk, whether Elon Musk is the Antichrist, whether he's creating the beast system with X that we're all going to be living under from now on. And of course, for this conversation, we've got two powerful boys who have been here before talking about the same thing, more or less, but today we're going to go even deeper into it. We got Drew Tang, the information trafficker himself, all the way live. And we also have the great and powerful Gnostic informant who knows everything about religion, ancient philosophy, you name it. This guy is, uh, this guy is brilliant. Whoa, and we've whoa, got these beautiful shorts that Ben is wearing. Ben has graced us with such beautiful shorts and such a beautiful dog over Thank there. Thank you. Thank you. So, I like uh, the mic, too. Yeah, beautiful mic. So Thank you. We, let us start out, Drew, just with giving us a uh, brief synopsis on what exactly is going on here with X, with the new X system that Elon Musk is developing, and just a bit again about how you think that Elon Musk is playing this very particular role of this uh, antichrist, moonchild, Aleister Crowley uh, figure. And once again, for all the newcomers, be sure to smash that like button, smash the subscribe button, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, Drew, go for it. So, yeah, um, yeah, great, uh, great intro there. Um, but, um, yeah, so as you know, um, Elon completed the um, transformation of Twitter from Twitter to X recently. And when you look into, you know, Elon's history with the letter X, you know, his uh, it wasn't his first company, but it, I believe it was his second was X.com. His first one was like some type of, I believe it was some type of encryption, like zip something. I forget what the company was called, but he started X.com. It was the idea was to digitize, bring finance into the digital world. Um, and eventually I, I forget exactly how it went down, but, you know, at one point it merges with PayPal or he sells it and eventually the project gets rolled into PayPal. Um, so that was one of his first major products that um, that kind of changed how um, finances work online. I, I don't know if you guys, uh, I'm sure you guys do remember what it was like when like, I remember as a kid um, realizing that, oh, PayPal, you can now actually like pay people online and, and stuff like that. It was a big, you know, it was a big shift. Um, and it, it enabled the internet economy. You could suddenly, you could make money, um, you know, selling stuff on eBay and stuff like that. So it was one of his first uh, major cultural impacts. Um, again, he wasn't a hundred percent responsible for PayPal, but he definitely played a part. Um, and then, you know, obviously going on SpaceX, um, and now uh, his newest X AI, and um, and yeah, basically the the X symbol. Obviously, it's extremely um, extremely. extremely prevalent, and uh, yeah, extremely, um, and uh, and yeah, the the core of the the symbolism here that I think is important um, for a lot of reasons is. The fact that it was X was the um, the symbol X was the last letter of the Paleo Hebrew, aka Phoenician alphabet. So the earliest Christians actually used it um, X instead of a traditional T cross to represent um, Christ. So 
that, um, you know, saying that outright, saying that, um, you know, Musk was using it um, to, you know, you know, make himself into a Christ-like figure is seems ridiculous. But um, but there's a lot more, you know, stuff behind that, which obviously I'm sure we're going to get into here. Um, another thing I think is important and it, um, that kind of illustrates that point um, that's a little more relevant and uh, easily explainable is Musk loves to post dose X or Deus X, um, which is in reference to the phrase Deus Ex Machina, which is, um, you know, the bunch of translations, either ghost in the machine or God in the machine. Um, and basically that phrase refers to, um, a, a idea in Greek theater, a plot device in which there's a, um, what seems to be a hopeless situation. And then at the last moment, a in Greek theater, they would literally drop in a God character on wires to save the day and basically resolve the, um, resolve the plot. It was, uh, and the wires, the wires, that was the machine for them. That was literally God out of the machine, God out of this wiry contraption that would lower them down onto the stage. That was the, that's what the machine was there. But before we go any further, I know Gnostic and uh, again, I think it's very uh, fascinating. A lot of things uh, that you're talking about, both for myself and Neil, and I'm sure as it's going to be for Ben. But I was talking to Neil before about that particular thing having to do with the uh, letter, uh, the Phoenician letter. And we are going to get into it because, again, I want to make sure that all these things that we're talking about, that we apply out of love the right kind of criticism and the right kind of uh, adjustment to make sure that everything that we're talking about is going to be based in as much truth as possible. So, you know, it's not like those skeptic people will say, well, actually, yada, 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 yada. Yeah, I'm so, not trying to be that guy. Yeah, he's not trying just, to be that I guy. Wanna, I, I think that's fucking fascinating. And I, the, you're, I think it's on point from, like, I'm not like I'm not the bona fide expert that's here to, like, correct anything. But, like, the the Greek shit with, with the de, 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 deuce ex mach, that's all fucking... Sounds like. Mm. Well, wait, but before Neil, before you go, I want to make sure I get uh, Ben's opinion on this. Okay. Just the idea that we have this technocratic person like Elon Musk, and he seems to be kind of a good guy in terms of the culture war for uh, a lot of people. They see him as having taken over Twitter, being like this rebellious dude who's going to be against the system, who's afraid of having artificial intelligence subsume us, but at the same time is kind of using AI in order for us to fight against AI. So I don't know, Ben, just like looking from the side at uh, Elon Musk and what he's been doing, what are your gut reactions so far? Well, I know a lot of those guys... Uh... You know, everything is like high school. Like, uh, you think you're going to get out of high school and you just never, you keep graduating into different high schools the rest of your life. It's kind of, it's all the same, you know? And I think it's the same with billionaires. They're in a billionaire high school and they're constantly competing to be the most popular billionaire. So they right. always have these space races and stuff. And I'm, uh, Elon is basically like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg has Meta. And a lot of companies do these rebrandings. But then now, now, Elon goes, well, I'm going to buy Twitter, and then I'm, I'm, I'm going to rebrand mine, too. And I know he tried to rebrand it with X as well. But uh, what's funny about you bringing up Deus Ex Machina is that's kind of what they're doing. It's these it's these shitty uh, devices in, in storytelling where 
you know, no one liked Facebook anymore and it was sinking. And then all of a sudden this thing just comes out and now it's meta. It's completely new. It's uh, it's nothing. It's uh, it's it's not it's not actual good like storytelling. It became such a trope back then that they came up with that term because someone would just write all of this bullshit. There'd be all of these yarns that couldn't ever come back together the way like Larry David could write a story right. or someone like that. And then it would just I think they would come up from the ground, too, wouldn't they? In the stage. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Even, oh, they, they had all types up. of entrapments and shit. Yeah. They had crazy. So that's that's kind of what they're doing, where it's like it's Dude, this you hopeless at- situation. And then this God, you know, someone see and like as people see Elon himself as this. It's this hopeless situation. It, we need a God figure to step down. It's a it's a boring story. It's a well, bad he, story. He's the ultimate at- figure, by the way, for the soy face. If there was ever a figure for which your soy face would be appropriate, sure. that's why sure. I have bo- two Bens. There needs to be more than one Ben for uh-huh. the soy face to uh, can, work for him. You can still see the, where the theaters were. They're all obviously like ruins now. Mm-hmm. If you go to Athens or Delphi, you can see how the theater was, where it was laid out. And it's usually right on a mountaintop, right in front of like the open sea. So like you're looking at this like God coming up in the skies behind them. So it's like he's flying. Mm-hmm. Like they had, they were fucking geniuses with with like uh, yeah. This was the ancient Hollywood basically. Like this was mm-hmm. the same shit. Like you know, and and yeah, and like that the same way people talk about Hollywood, like it's all wicked and evil. That's how a lot of other people, a lot of these other places looked at the Greeks. A bunch mm. of fucking orgy loving, wine drinking, you know. That's what the, you know. And they were basically doing their version of bad superhero movies. Of, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jupiter. Yeah. Like yeah. you know what I mean. Same yeah. Zeus. Well, 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 that was. Uh, we're gonna get into that because that's uh, Drew's whole idea here when it comes to uh, Iron Man and how Elon Musk is portraying Iron Man. But before we get into that one, I do want to go back to the idea of this uh, letter T, this X. So, Neil... I just you... want to clarify. Yes. I'm not here to, like, yes. Yes. I'm not here to like correct any... Well, so, when you said the earliest Christians use it to represent Christ, what is that? What do you... What exactly... Are, what, what does that mean? So, there's a... Um, there's a... Uh, there's a History Channel episode um, in particular that, that shows this. It um, They're basically exploring ruins... Um, of you know inhabit um houses of early christians you know we're talking we're talking right at zero AD or whatever yeah Yeah. and um and they show how they use um like above their little altar they have an x symbol cairo and then yeah and then so that's the thing the reason why i was wondering because that's greek that wouldn't be hebrew oh well so it's the it looks like the the, the greek the greek chi looks like an x and then you're ancient uh paleo hebrew you're right uh tau also looks the same it looks like an x mm-hmm. so yeah it, there it, that particular christian uh logo would be greek so i don't know i guess i get i was just trying to clarify that's all mm-hmm no, but I want to make sure that when we're talking about, for example, the Alpha and the Omega, the Omega was supposed to represent. Those are both. The, yeah, that's all Greek. The word Omega is, is a Greek letter. Yeah, Alpha is yeah. a Greek letter. And mm-hmm. in Hebrew, it's LF. And but there is no Omega. It's the uh, the the um, Ion. And it looks the same. It's the letter Ion. So it would be. So we're we're talking Greek well, here. But but if you want, if you're saying like, oh, it appears to be that way, then yeah. 
it fits the mold, then I'm I, I'm no problems with it. Yeah, it's the last letter of of the alphabet. That's well, I mean, that's Gosh. how they explained it in this um in this particular you know History Channel episode. Um, but uh, yeah, it's definitely not you know a, a core of my of my argument, but it is. And I mean, I, I'll, I'll send you the link and you can, you can see if, if well, you think that it's being to, bullshit to, or to, not. But, the steel man for you to, to throw you, to throw you a, a layup in Ezekiel. There's a passage about them putting the tall mark on their foreheads so that they would be the show that they were, I forgot what it was for. It was like some, it was sort of like a, the show, like I'm repented. I'm, you know, I'm uh, showing my repentance and the ones who showed the mark were like say the ones that didn't weren't so in that case yeah they were putting a cross on their forehead so a lot of christians later on when they're looking back at the old testament they're saying oh look they're putting crosses on their foreheads this is a, you know a prophecy for christ so you you could say the same thing's happening with the cairo in greek it, even though they're writing greek letters it still can be connected to the logogram of the tau in hebrew so yeah okay mm. we're good there so I think I understand. So what you're saying is that the uh, letter Tau that is a uh, that is a Hebrew or is that a Greek letter? The letter Tau. Letter Tau is Hebrew. Um, but here's another thing I was going to say. But this is going to be now I'm getting like really like in the weeds. If if you if we got so the, the earliest Christians, writings wise, we're using Greek. Paul wrote in Greek. The Gospels are all Greek. There is basically no Hebrew Christian text. But if we were to get technical and like. If we were to like put together through like using just logic or like basic data, what the data suggests, Jesus as a historical figure probably would have been speaking Aramaic and to be exact, Syriac Aramaic, which was the language of the northern Galilee and also in Syria. So th those Christians would have would have spoke Syriac. It's it's basically a uh, it's basically it comes from the same Hebrew family. But it has a different alphabet. The Tao in that language looks a little bit different. It looks like an H. But uh, that's that's me getting way too picky here. It's just like whatever. Who cares? I'm, that's why I didn't say it. Yeah, I wanted Neil to uh, nerd out a little bit when it comes. Yeah, I'm just to, nerding uh, out. That's his, all. Yeah, that's exactly. All. But the more important thing is not so much the uh, language origin of a lot of a lot of things like, uh, for example, the cross, the uh, T Tao, but more of whether we are playing these characters in this giant movie which ben uh, is not a really big fan of i don't know ben if you would have been a fan of like the like you were talking about the ancient greek uh plays for example you would have you know the iliad and the odyssey and all of that would you say ben that you are not that big of a fan of any of those things either pretty boring yeah pretty boring <laughs> pretty boring okay so pretty when... damn boring i know i'm supposed to like have no, like no, it's fine. I know, Look, if, just because if, something's old doesn't mean you, you should respect want, it. I mean, people are like, oh, like, yeah, I, like, I read, I don't care about Shakespeare. I don't care about any of that stuff. I try to, I try to read it. I, I know it's the wrong opinion to have, but I just, I haven't got into it. I'm sorry. I mean, I mean look, I had a, uh, I had Jason, uh, I had Ra Jason Reza Giorgiani on the show multiple times. One of the things that he talks about, I think he actually talked about on the show with you, Neil, where 
all of that ancient Greek po quote-unquote poetry, uh, the uh, Homeric epics, it was all kind of like an internet and also kind of like yeah. rap music. And well, it was yeah. something that was used as an indoctrination device for these uh, younger Greeks to get them to, what was it, to get them to respect like this very abusive god and to, you know, yeah. excuse it, like, you know, for, all the for, rapes and all that stuff. Homer being the internet, if you read Homer's Iliad, he gives you a geography lessons. He's telling you where, where cities are. He's get, he's telling you about ancient sources, ancient king. Like, he goes through and gives you a rundown of everything. So, like, that would have been your source for knowledge of anything. Just reading Homer. How do I know where the fucking city of of delphi is oh homer says it's over here so yeah in a way homer was like the internet and then as far as them being like rappers they wrote in prose and these uh like pindar pindar was this ancient athenian playwriter and uh and, and poet who uh was like when they talk about him they say like he had always had girls around him he was famous as hell he had a mansion he was always like showing off like some, like mm. he was like like living that lifestyle and not only that you even have beefs back then. Callimachus and Apollonius of Rhodes. Callimachus is living in Egypt. Apollonius of Rhodes is in Rhodes, obviously. And they have texts that talk shit about each other. There's like ancient Tupac and Biggie shit going on. Like, it's pretty wild. Like, they even had a dress. Humans are humans no matter where you go. Yeah. They Seriously, even had dreads, if I'm not shit. mistaken. Right? Like the Greeks, they had dreads. Oh, uh, yeah. Going on. Romans. Romans did that. Yeah. Oh, Romans? I thought it was Greeks. It might have been Greeks too, but yeah. Romans definitely did that. Yeah. But anyway, the whole point of all of this that we're talking about with this uh, controlling technology of the uh, uh, ancient Homeric plays, I think it does come down to this question of how in charge are we of the stories that we tell ourselves? And Drew, I think your whole thing here has to do with how a lot of these stories have been prearranged to act in a certain way towards our uh, subconscious and get us to accept certain things while in reality would you say like there could have been a different way like this is what i'm very confused about here are we talking about how we are all victims of fate that we have no control over we're going into the age of aquarius we're going to have this antichrist figure it's all going to work out like that or is there like leeway here is there something that we can do to go against that? Like how set are things? So let me know. Great. Yeah, great question. Um, so I think at the core of, of that question, and, and it's something obviously that's that's really at the core of all these type of uh, conspiracy theories is, you know, how much is chaos and how much is order? And I think we got into this um, the last time we chatted. Um, and that's the idea behind. So the idea that you write a story and then it affects the mass subconscious of the, you know, you make something into the pop culture. You basically program the population's minds with these different archetypes. So it teaches them what a hero looks like, what's justified, what's a moral code is do the end justify the means what, um, you know, say uh, what's a super cool superhero that, you know, is going to save the whole world at the end. Um, he might, you know, maybe act like Elon Musk or, or have um, he doesn't get his superpowers from any divine, you know, source or mutation. It's simply his wealth and intelligence and technology. Um, but the people who talk about it, specifically a you know a student of Crowley, um, Alan Moore, um, <clears throat> fantastic comic book writer. His his stuff is uh, 
is absolute genius. I think in a, in a, in a realm of its own, but um, he, he says, you know, it's um, they describe it as chaos magic because they're not, you know, it's not like they're planning out and telling all these people to, to do a certain thing, but by, um, by just putting, by moving the sub mass subconscious in a certain direction, you know, um, just by the nature of the universe, um, when you get into quantum physics, uh, um, I'm, are you guys familiar with the, uh, the two slit experiment? Yeah. The idea that, um, basically if you don't watch where the, um, where the photons go, they, they, um, they'll act as a wave. But then if you do put something behind the two slits, it forces, them it forces the waveform to collapse into a, a single point um in that type of way um if you affect the that's the I, I guess that's the concept is that um by influencing it um with a strong cultural message and you have that idea in a bunch of people's minds and you can affect certain outcomes um and then on a on a very basic level you that's the whole idea behind predictive programming is if you want to program people to act predictably in a certain situation, then you would present them that situation as fiction over and over again. So, for instance, when the CDC um, consulted the uh, consulted Hollywood and spent millions of dollars on an office to consult Hollywood to produce the movie Contagion in yeah. 2011. Um, we and are it has, on YouTube, by the way. Just uh, c- careful how you speak. You got to use Creole sure. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I even hate but, fucking saying yeah. that. You know, it's ridiculous. But anyway. Yeah, I think YouTube's had to, you know, fall back on a lot of that censorship now. Luckily, but uh, in the in the movie, they specifically they show um, conspiracy theorists that talk about lab leak theories of this pandemic in the movie Contagion and. Um, and how they're ridiculous and totally wrong. And it's not a bioweapon. It's just, you know, it, it's a, uh, they show a, a Chinese, a guy in China, a chef chopping up a pig and a bat. And then, Oh, I accidentally shook hands with somebody before, um, before washing my hands. Mm. Um, so, uh, Ben, uh, bless you. What do you, you. think? What do you think about this so far? Where, where are you on this? Um, well, I, I, first of all, I would like to correct something I said. I, I, uh, I do like the, the Greek tragedies, and I'm aware of things like that, and I'm aware of all the... I like the stories. I often don't like how they're written. Does that make sense? Like, I don't well, you want to read this... Why? I'll tell you why, because the translations suck. You yeah, I'm sure. We needed... Context. If you... I'm te- like, I'm learning Greek now, learning Attic Greek in particular, and I'm now being able to go back to these texts and see what they're really saying. It makes mm-hmm. way more sense. You're like, oh, shit. Because when you translate a text and from a different language, it, the context is lost, and it comes out all stale and weird and, and like, doesn't, like, it's, like, choppy, the words. Sure. Don't so, yeah, I, I don't blame you. It, yeah, it, we needed Young to translate it. all these yeah. things. Yeah. We should have had Carl Young. But, like, okay, for instance, right here, this is uh, Murakami's book, Kafka Ooh. on the Shore. That's a great book, but it's just the story of Oedipus. That's all it is. Yeah, it's I a guy that. wants to kill his father and have sex with his mother. That's yeah. the whole. So, like, understanding all those things and how they work in our unconscious mind and how they come out—that those things are important. Oh, you like? Uh, I haven't read that by Murakami. Yeah, it's good. I got a bunch of Murakamis over there in the back. Represent. Nice. nice I love him. I'll just uh, I just got a quick fun fact that that applies here is that um, that Oedipus complex 
you know, it's it's very Freudian. Sigmund Freud, obviously, oh, yeah. you know, a huge influence in psychology. His um, it was his great nephew, Edward Bernays, who actually really popularized and, and wrote the solid rules for what we call public relations, what he called propaganda when he wrote his book in 1928, um, you know, which obviously was used by the Nazi party to form the cult of personality and and um, and radicalize the whole country of Germany. Um, but he also, you know, obviously worked for U.S. corporations. He helped the CIA in multiple um in multiple coups by programming the public with propaganda. He got women to smoke, Edward Bernays. And then his great nephew um, was the, uh, is the co-founder of Netflix and its first CEO. I believe his name is uh, Mark Randolph. But, um, but that just kind of shows how important that Oedipus, Oedipus complex and, and the Freudian psychology is literally at the core of all um, propaganda and now uh, Netflix to some degree. Keeping it all in the family, I see. Nice. So uh, when it comes to the Sigmund Freuds of the world and all of these world controllers, would you say that you would lean on there being an individual will where they make the choice of doing it? Or do you also see all of these various figures as mere puppets that are being dangled around by the strings of uh, higher powers, fate, whatever you want to say? Because, Ben, when we were talking about uh, speaking of uh, Carl Jung, his whole thing was that we go through all these various epochs. We were in uh, Aries, and back then things were very strong and manly and all of that, you know, like the Ram. And then when we were in the uh, Pisces age, there were still attributes of Aries uh, there. In fact, I'm going to have uh, meme analysis on uh, again uh, in a couple of weeks, and that's what he talked about. Like when I asked him, well, wait a minute, Christianity, even though it's supposed to be like all, you know, peace and love and all of that, there was still a lot of violence that went on during the uh, Christian uh, epoch, especially like in the Middle Ages, all these competing religions murdering each other. So his answer to that was that that quality of the ram is still present, like it doesn't go away. So all of that, at least to me, sounds like it doesn't really matter what we do, we're going to be under these particular uh, epochs. So the people who you drew were talking about programming people to act a certain way are they themselves not programmed to be the programmers? So okay. To speak? So how do you know that uh, quote from? Uh, I think it's the quote from uh, "All the Pretty Horses" about the puppets. I do not know that I'll, quote. No. I'll read it directly right here. I got it. I got another monitor. Excellent. And sneed those not super to brag chats. or anything, but I have another monitor. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a monitor right right here, right below here. This is my drawing monitor. This is why I'm so uh, shiny right now. By the way, everybody, need those super chats. If you have any questions for Ben, Drew, Gnostic Informant about any of the stuff, need the super chats, and we will address the super chats. Anyway, uh, Ben. So, so yes. here's a quote from All the Pretty Horses by Cormac McCarthy, which is one of his great books. My fifth favorite, though, and but it's amazing. Uh, for me, the world has always – ah, shit. It wants, me to, <laughs> it wants me to sign up for Goodreads. I'm and, not and, signing up. And, okay. Oh, okay. I hate that. Everybody subscribe. Click the bell in order to get Ben out of this hellscape of having <laughs> to click through all of these different links, which is okay. a stupid millennial idea of like getting it people is. annoyed. Yeah. And that's what Curtis Yarvin always talks about, how he likes Substack, but he absolutely hates the fact that on every Substack, they always show that screen where you have to, you know, click no, mm. no, no, and all of that. He mm. interprets that as millennials being the annoying shitbags that they are, just wanting to have like this theater kid energy of like <laughs> occupying your time with all of these pop-ups. <laughs> 
It you was know, very like funny. how Curtis is great. Yeah, yeah he's a lot of funny. fun. Yeah, I should get you guys on together one day. That that will be interesting. Okay, here's the quote. Yeah. For me, the world has always been more of a puppet show, but when one but when one looks behind the curtain and traces the strings upward, he finds they terminate in the hands of yet other puppets, themselves with their own strings, which trace upward and turn, and so on. In my own life, I saw these strings whose origins were endless enact the deaths of great men in violence and madness, enact the ruin of a nation. Drew, would you say you're uh, in agreement with this? Could I get the Could I get the live reading one more time? Sure, <laughs> Ben. <laughs> there we go. I could do it one more time. Strap in, strap in, Ben. All right. For For me, the world has always been more of a puppet show. But when one looks behind the curtain and traces the strings upward, he finds they terminate in the hands of yet other puppets, themselves hmm. with their own strings, which trace upward and turn, and so on. In my own life, I saw these strings whose origins were endless enact the deaths of great men in violence and madness, enact the ruin of a nation. Cormac McCarthy, all the pretty horses. Thank you very awesome. much. Very Gnostic, if you think wow, about bra it. Wow, bravo. All of his work is Gnostic, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You want to know um, why I think it's so, Gnostic? Well, go ahead, Drew. You first. So, so yeah. So, yeah, 100% I agree. Um, and that's actually another quote by Alan Moore is, um, is that he he even says it. He says um, – He's like, yeah, you know, the idea that every everything is planned, mind you, it, like his two of his works, specifically Watchmen and V for Vendetta, I think are two of the biggest examples of predictive programming and some of the most like scarily accurate, especially given that he talks about his work being magic. Um, but he says he's like um, he's like, yeah, it's a comforting idea that, you know, there's people controlling everything and it's conspiracy, but it's really it's all chaos. Um that you know results in in these things it's not really um anything but but yeah there to some degree and i think this is this gets to the overall answer of you know how much order and how much chaos is yeah there is to some degree there is some puppeteering going on like for instance Werner von braun uh writes the mars project in 1948 the same year that um elon musk mom is born and he says that the human Mars colony will be led by a person given the title Elon in this fictional story. Mm -hmm. um, and and it will be a it, it, he describes it as being basically a Martian technocracy. Now, Elon Musk's gran uh, grandfather was arrested in Canada for running the technocracy party in 1940, just eight years previous. And the technocracy party was global. And they had obviously they had some. Um, some fanfare in Germany itself. And so it's, you know, we don't, I, I don't know for sure if Werner von Braun was familiar with Elon Musk's grandfather, but, um, you know, it's not like, um, it was a pretty small world back then. So, so it's possible, certainly. Um, now, but if that, if that was true, it would explain why Elon Musk doesn't give a F about nothing and just has like no fear, just like can like, can change Coca-Cola, uh, like level logos to X and be like, hey, fuck it, I'm doing it. Like, like you know, like the most, the most like known symbol, Twitter, the tweet logo. It's like you're gonna change that. Like you have a billion dollar logo. Anyways, I'm just saying to, to say if you if you were right, like let's say you're right, just like for the mm -hmm. sake of argument, that would explain a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah, it's it's almost. I mean, at this point, I um, I I think it's I I, I think it's a compelling case, obviously. But just to, to finish my thought, um, what's really interesting and what I learned, um, I went on this road trip to um, to check out a couple places around the country. 
um, and, you know, esoteric spots. I saw the Georgia Guidestones, um, you know, three months and three days before they blew up. Um, and we actually like prayed for, uh, you know, justice at their, sure uh, at the Guidestones right before. Um, but, Damn. but right before we went to the Georgia Guidestones, we went to Jekyll Island, which of course is the infamous birthplace of the Federal Reserve. Um, but while we were there, we learned a little bit about its the history of the natives, in which they were a they were very tall, um, and their culture included child sacrifice. Um, and what's really interesting, the god that they were sacrificing to was this giant owl effigy, and it was a chaos god. Their religion basically revolved around the idea that um, they would discern meaning from random events and what's really interesting is that you know this was one jekyll island was was this huge you know uh technocrat billionaire hangout um jp morgan um, the rockefellers obviously uh ford and others uh would obviously go there and it was like it was kind of i don't want to say it was kind of like the epstein's island of back then but it kind of was well no it's more Um, like the one in the west coast in california that's yeah, the, the Bohemian Grove. Bohemian now that's Grove. where I'm going. And so the thing is with the Bohemian Grove, everyone always talks about um, famously Alex Jones broke in and got video footage of them doing their little mock ritual to this owl god. Um, the Croatians. They do, they do They're a Republicans mock... too. It's the weirdest oh. shit ever, isn't it? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, you think and... Democrats they... doing that shit. It's fucking Republicans. Yeah. Well, Nixon has a great um, of the Watergate tapes that were released. He's got a great little quote yeah. on that I. I highly recommend everybody look up. I don't know if I'm allowed to, to quote him on YouTube, but um, uh, only only if you're gay. So, uh. <laughs> but but yeah, exactly. It's it's my word. I can say it. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> um, they people talk about the effigy god, the owl god that they're sacrificing to. People call it Moloch. They call it Ball, but that's actually not accurate. Um, it's I think it's much more yeah. likely that it's this same owl god of chaos that they were previously worshiping on the other side of the country. Um, Mm. And I think ultimately that's what people are missing is that it's not so much that the controllers of the world are, you know, uh, really focused on Satanism or, you know, particularly Baal or Moloch. I think it's much more likely that they're relying on this, um, this chaos God to give them power and and they're basically taking their orders from it. Mm. Now, before we go any further, though, Neil, you've studied extensively all these different mystery schools, all these religions. Where exactly would this particular owl deity line up in the history? Uh, well, you got Minerva and Athena, who mm-hmm. are... We also depicted. visited the Pantheon um, in, uh, in uh, Nashville, where they have the gigantic uh, Athena with the with the owl inside yeah that's that's kind of like the extent of owls as gods like moloch is never in the ancient and for us ancient text go is not depicted as a as an owl at least i've Mm -hmm. never seen it um so that's kind of a new that kind of like takes on its own thing later on like i don't know when that started 18th 19th century who knows but yeah that's sort of a modern depiction of moloch where in the ancient world moloch is usually well, Moloch's more like a title for Baal. Mo- Baal and Moloch are kind of the same thing. Mo- Baal means lord. Melech means king. So Moloch comes from that. And uh, there, it's it's a Canaanite god. It's basically mm. a Canaan, one, of, one of the various Canaanite gods. 
But then how can we, let's say, differentiate when we're talking about Baal? How can we differentiate him from, let's say, something like Yahweh, for instance? Because Neil, you, like you were talking about. I think, yeah. I personally think they're the same. Well, and here's what I mean by that. You, you have a pantheon in the north where El is the chief deity. And his son is Baal. There's no Yahweh in this pantheon. In the south, there's a similar pantheon. El is still the chief deity, but his son is Yahweh, and there's no bell. So th there's like competing pantheons in the north. So what I think happens is as Israel becomes more monotheistic and El and Yahweh get synchronized, in the north, Baal becomes the enemy. That's why you see in the Old Testament, the priests of Baal are fighting against the priests of Yahweh, and the priests of Yahweh win because that's, that's who they worship. So I think there's a polemic being played there, and I think that's what ha I think they're they're polemicizing the old rites. Asherah and Baal are the gods that Queen Jezebel is a queen in the north. She's a royal queen. Why is she worshiping Asherah and Baal? Because that's what they worship. Those those that's a real thing. So they're, what they're doing in the text, I think, is they're detaching themselves, divorcing themselves from those old ways, saying that's not the true way. This is the true way. We fought against you. Uh, the prophets of Yahweh, Elijah, Elisha, defeated the the hundred. What is a hundred prophets of Baal, and then uh, Elijah sent down fire from heaven. All that stuff. Anyways, uh, but I'm basically getting at is it. I think Yahweh and Baal are pretty much two two gods from from, from similar pantheons competing. Interesting. And where would you say, by the way, this lines up with, uh, for example, the Phoenicians, where a lot of these child sacrifice type deals seem to go hand in hand with Phoenician civilization? We know that Israel was not that well known back in the day, but Phoenicia certainly was. It had colonies in Greece. It allegedly had colonies in the everywhere. United States. Everywhere. Where it was well, like I, don't know, I don't know about that part. Well, but. where it was mining for like the uh, copper and mining for tin in uh, Britain and stuff like that. Britain. So, they were in Britain, yeah. They, yeah, they, they, they were, were everywhere. Africa, Britain, Greece, North, uh, you know, everywhere. They, they, they had... The but what, what I'm what I'm getting to though is like the Phoenicians. Would that be in your mind, Drew and Ben? Curious what you think of this as well. Like, would this be the big bad? Would this be like when we're talking about all of these satanic mystery schools that do a lot of all uh, this bad shit? Real quick, let me let me tell yes. you where that comes from. There's a yeah. text. There's a text that's um that's passed down, translated into Greek. We lost the original. It was a Phoenician text. We don't know what the originals. We have a translated version by a guy named Philo from the city of Byblos, a Phoenician city. And he, sa and he says, according to him, uh, he translated the text from a guy named Sanko Nietan, a Bronze Age priest from 1200 BC. That's when writing first started. So this is one of the oldest texts ever, if, it's, if it, we had it. We don't have it. But he, he says this is the translation. And in this text, you have El. He go, and this is what, he, this is what uh, Philo says, El, who we call Kronos which is deified as Saturn. He sacrificed his only son, Yedud, I-E-D-U-D, yeah, as an offering to heaven, Uranos, the god Uranos, the heaven god. And he said, everybody from this day forward needs to follow this rite. So, they, so you get this human sacrifice, sacrifice the firstborn son, rite comes out of that. Then later on, it says that Saturn circumcised himself and that became a replacement for the human child sacrifice thing that gets brought into the Bible as Abraham's story. It gets, mm. it gets, um, it gets turned into a historical event rather than a myth mythology event. 
But the, the rumor that they're recording the Romans, the Carthaginians, who are the descendants of the Phoenicians, were still carrying out these child sacrifice rites. That's according to the Romans. According to the Con- Carthaginians, they're like, no, we didn't do that shit. But hmm. it's, it's he says he says. You, yeah. you be the judge. You know? Yeah. Ben, well, the ben, Romans ben, you, destroyed you be the... them and salted the earth and uh, yes. basically deleted them from history as, as much right. as they possibly could. So, Well, I want Ben to be the judge here. Ben. Would you say that the way that the um, uh, the Carthaginians were treated, that this is just like propaganda? This is like, be- uh, you know, like pointing to something that went on in the past and really the Carthaginians are good boys and they didn't do anything bad? I mean, Lev, you think I actually understand what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> do you think I actually have any clue as to what's going on? Yes. Let's get real yes. for a second. Yes. Yes, you do. Well, think no. Think about it. But, this way. hey, yeah, I I did. No, no. I want you to ask you. Uh, but can I ask Neil a question too? Yes, for you later? can. Because yes. he was going to say something about the puppet thing and about it being Gnostic. Um, uh, he oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There. Thanks for reminding me about that. Yeah, yeah. So in Gnostic thought, the idea is the god of this world, the Demiurge, which, which means uh, creator or uh, uh, craftsman in Greek. Uh, he thinks he's the he thinks he's he's it he thinks he's the only god that exists he's the highest that there is and everyone needs to worship him and that he's in control but he doesn't realize he's got gods above him mm-hmm. sophia being one of them wisdom goddess and he's so he's got he's got strings on him just like the demiurge has the strings on us that's why when you said that i was like that's a very gnostic way to look at the world because mm-hmm. it's the gods or or whether you're talking about gods or rulers of this world it all still applies, you know? Right. That's why, I guess, is that why at the end of Aeon, uh, when Young Sun said, sums it up, he says, that's why we can't say that everything God does is good, because yeah. then the word becomes meaningless? Yep. Because if he allows evil to happen, then then we'd have to say evil is good. So it's like, he's like, you were destroying the meaning of words by saying things like this. And he's like, this is, uh, you have to understand that the unification of opposites is, it's the key to everything. Yeah, Young was, that's my, Young is a genius. But then way better than Freud, in my opinion, that's Mm -hmm. for sure. But now we're getting into a bit of an impasse, though, because, I mean, let's face it, Drew, there's a lot of trad cats and orthobros out there for whom the idea of the unity of opposites uh, equals, like, the transgender story hour. You know, like, for them, they look at that and they see it in its most, let's say, debased uh, form. And I'm curious where you stand on this, because we do have, like, a lot of these mystical types that the Christians look at and say, you guys are following the wrong path. It's going to only be like the path to demons and all of that go to church. So do, do you see what I mean? The, the difficulty here and like probing what exactly is the right way to go about life. So yeah, mm-hmm. well, uh, actually, Drew, while, while you think on that, Ben, you were a Christian, are a Christian. Where do you stand on that question as well? When it comes I would to, say I'm, yeah. probably, I'm probably Gnostic Christian. Mm. Nice, nice. One more for uh, Neil's team. Now, uh, Drew, uh, <laughs> back to you. Where do so you yeah, stand here? Yeah, yeah. No, it's a it's a great uh, you know, especially in in my sphere because again, I, I I would also consider myself a Christian. Um, but yeah, it's definitely um, being in the you know esoteric uh, occult sphere. It's definitely something that comes up a lot and that people like you know will will try and call me out for. But um. But I think at the core of it is, you know, 
I know we, we talked about this in, in the, um, in our last podcast, but I think the real, the real problem here, because I don't want to end up like Crowley. Crowley also saw himself as a Gnostic and, you know, he had the whole Gnostic mass and, and he was, you know, his whole thing, do what thou wilt, um, was all based around this idea that, you know, there's no difference between good and evil and, and all this stuff. And, um, and I think where he, and I think, you know, he basically died to, to my understanding kind of uh, in a sad, sad way. Um, addict alone in a cheap hotel or some shit, something like that. I, can't, I don't yeah, remember. He went out sad. He went out back sad. Um, so I think the, the key here and is the, um, is Gnosticism tends to lead you to you know having a big ego and and i'm also not in the camp of the kill your ego type thing because that's also i i think not healthy whatsoever um and it doesn't help you or anyone else um but what i think the core of the problem lies is that you need to both um you know gnosticism and and knowing things is great but you also have to remember that you're not actually in control of everything. You're not, you're not God individually. Um, it's in, you know, in my interpretation that, um, is that, you know, there is divinity in, in every human being. So it's, it's a shared thing. So you, you know, you need to operate with empathy and, and not be like a, a Crowley type where it's, you know, just do whatever you want and that makes it good. Um, and I think the core is, you know, not uh, salvation is not going to come from from knowing stuff. Um, I think the salvation through faith and works to some degree is is the more um, effective way to go about it. And I think in the core of, you know, what you learn in Gnosticism and, you know, learning all these things is, you know, your thought patterns do affect your reality and your perception does affect reality. So the only thing that keeps you from having a hundred percent faith is, you know, doubting yourself because it's, you know, you're going to, it's hard, you know, you're flawed deep down. So it's hard to, you can never reach pure faith if you only have faith in yourself. So having faith in God, um, as opposed to having faith in your knowledge is I think the, the big distinction. And that's, um, that's where I stand on the, the Gnosticism versus traditional faith. I also don't think, as far as the trad bros go, um, you know, putting your faith in a pope. And I don't think even any of the trad bros think the pope is a is a good guy whatsoever. And yet they still, you know, kind of say that, um, that yeah, the, the, um, the Council of Nicaea was 100% right in all the texts they decided to include and not include. Um, so, you know, if you read the Gnostic text and you're, you know, it's, it's Satanism. Um, so, so yeah, there's some distinction there. I definitely think, you know, I think people go too far on both sides. Yeah. And, and by the way, real quick, Marcion, who's one of the main, the biggest heretics, according to the later Christians that, like you mentioned, the ones from those councils, they think, you know, this guy's such a heretic, all these Gnostic texts. He's the guy that brought everybody the letters of Paul. And he's the son, according to tradition. I'm just going with what they say. He's a, he's the son of one of the 72 disciples mentioned in Acts. And they're 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 putting this dude off to the side like he's nothing. I'm like, maybe the Gnostics were onto something because that's you know he's what he's the son of one of those guys. Like, why are we just putting him off to the side like that? Just saying. 
Yeah, no, I, and, and I think and it, he's it, the guy who brought everybody Paul's letters too. And I think it really goes back to I'm glad we've been talking about the Phoenicians so much. By the way, I found the video I was um, I was uh, thinking of with the X thing. I put it in the private chat with the timestamp. Mm. So I, I'd love to hear your opinion on on what they say there. But um, uh, it you know it goes back to the Phoenicians, aka Carthage. Um, oh yeah, sure. I'd love to see that because because what um, the as far as what people think of of the original inhabitants of Jekyll Island, you know, that were worshiping that owl chaos God doing sacrifices. They referred to them as, as Canaanites. Um, so again, um, you know, Phoenicians, Carthage, yeah, that same, that the same, same type thing. of line. The same thing. Kanani, Kanani means purple. Mm. So does Phoenician. They both mean purple. It's two different. Canaan and Phoenicia both mean the same thing. The Greeks called the Canaanites Phoenicians. The Canaanites mm -hmm. didn't call themselves. They didn't say we're Phoenicians. Mm -hmm. They would this say Phoenos means like red, and and they use the red ochre paint. Or yeah, exactly, purple, dark red. That's what it means. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they would call themselves. Oh, I'm from Sidonia. I'm a Sidonian from Sidon, or I'm, I'm a Tyrian from Tyre. They wouldn't really call themselves mm -hmm. Canaanites. They might like say I'm a Canaanite, like generally, but they never mm -hmm. call themselves Phoenicians. That was a Greek word that other people called them. So Phoenicians mm -hmm. and Canaanites are the same thing. Okay. So awesome. what, what were uh, oh, what, just yes. just one one Go I just it. want yes. to finish that real quick. So the idea that that those Native Americans were actually um, Canaanites that came over and that's why the elite you know continued their rituals there and why they chose it as so important and it is you know right on the coast. So the idea um, what people you know people have this idea of of our historical narrative of columbus discovering the new world now was the first time anyone from europe or the mediterranean had been over um is now rapidly being proved false so oh, yeah, we, you know, Jack, jekyll island um being right on the coast it makes sense that people from carthage which of course is right at the exit of the mediterranean going into the atlantic ocean they actually, this uh, one of the first times that Flat Earth was propagated was by Carthage because they told the rest of the Mediterranean, oh, don't worry about what's past uh, the Pillars of Hercules and the Straits of Gibraltar. There's nothing out there. The world's actually flat. And if you go through to the Atlantic Ocean, you're going to fall off and um, dragons are going to eat you. Meanwhile, they were going over and trading and getting resources from the New World. And that's um, that kind of ties together. It, it those those various I, things i i would have to push back on that because like why don't they have carthaginian punic text like why don't you see any Phoenician writing why is it you know it's well the smithsonian uh destroys it all oh okay i gotcha gotcha i mean there were certain <laughs> things that the uh, quote-unquote native americans had as far as artifacts go that do look oddly similar to all swastikas that's one of them but also a lot of other things related to freemasonry you can say and uh, they had a similar calendar system i believe to the one that was uh, used in uh, israel like ancient israel at the time but uh, all of this is to say that we have these fucking phoenicians that were doing a lot of bad things, that were in charge of this big empire, 
who ended up preserving a lot of these mystery school traditions and the traditions by themselves like ben you're fascinated by uh, carl jung the things mm -hmm. that he talks about this is no different in my opinion than learning a lot of uh, those mystery school traditions i don't think it means that ben that you are going to engage in child sacrifice once you get uh, too deep in uh, in uh, the jungian mysticism mm -hmm. but uh, it seems like any kind of tool and usually the people who are going to be abusing it are going to be a bunch of tools themselves. And that is kind of like the thing that we have to fight against. But going back to Elon Musk here for a second. Real quick, almost, real quick. Yes. I want to see that video that you sent me because I'm, yes. I'm actually curious yes. to see this X, what, what they're talking about. Maybe mm -hmm. I'm maybe I'm wrong. I want to see what he, I just want to see what he said. I, I, I misremembered it, too. So there it's was, two there hours was, long, though. That's oh, the video. Just, yeah, the, no, the timestamp, the okay. relevant part is only it's only 30 oh. seconds. I'll be right okay. back. I'll be right back. Okay. I'm going to take while, a quick bathroom break as well. All right. While Neil and Gnostic are watching this, I want to get back to the main character here, Ben. And uh, Ben, what are your thoughts so far on uh, what's been uh, transpiring in this conversation? Uh, are you still in the mindset of being a uh, Gnostic or is something, uh, is something changing? No, I mean, that's the, that's the thing that uh, it, it feels right in my gut, Lev. I, f I feel it in my bones. These are theories I had since I was a kid that I didn't know uh, existed anywhere else. You know, I uh, I get it. But is there also a part of you now that uh, you get to read and watch a lot of these things coming from more of a Christian perspective where you feel like, wait a minute, you know, like maybe I am uh, becoming like an Aleister Crowley figure. If I get too interested in a lot of this stuff, I may not be able to control oh, my own so my own urges. You know, like I have these urges deep inside, and once I figure out the mysteries of the universe, how will I trust myself not to abuse the one ring of power? You know, how will I trust myself yeah, to well, be... Yeah, that's kind yeah. of the great thing about Gnosticism is the deeper you go into it, the... Um... You know, I'm kind of, I'm like a loser that just wow. doesn't leave his house. You know? <laughs> Like I'm kind of, and I, it's great because my mind, I can go infinitely inward. Consciousness is so much more interesting to me than a lot of the things I can perceive. And Gnosticism reinforces a lot of those. I mean, to quote Uber Boyo, yeah. um, he doesn't trust any institution because any institution has to live within the Demiurge. So until an institution can be pure consciousness, then he won't join it. So it's almost like uh, I would never be a member of a club that would have somebody like me for a member, but reversed, where it's actually a blessing that they would not have us as members, because in that way, we stay kind of pure. We're not going to be able to be under the influence of these so-called uh, clubs and organizations. Like, I'm never going to become a Freemason. I don't know about you, Drew, or Neil, or Ben, but it just seems like if you become a member of these things... All of a sudden, now you kind of owe something to somebody else, and it doesn't really feel like it's like yeah. your journey. Yeah, I've been put, I mean, you know, uh, you have to at some point in your life have the three temptations in the desert that Satan, uh, you know, uh, proposes to Christ. And either you say no to those, or you and you live, or you say yes and you die, and you create a, a prison of your own making. And once you know that you can say no to wealth, you can say no to uh, some sort of, uh, you know, uh, 
some sort of power within the whatever hierarchy you sort of live in, which you can say no to all of those those challenges, then uh, then you can kind of rest easy. You won't turn into an Alistair Crowley guy saying no to that stuff. Actually, you then you're finally able to know who you really are. And then you can really start doing the work and diving down in and seeing all these symbols and shapes and all these fantastical things in you, they start coming out. It's like a flower that's finally getting water. That's how I feel. Well, what do you want to achieve from, let's say, where you are now, like 10 or 20 years from now, or even in another lifetime, let's yeah, say? Like, what, like, do you want to achieve some kind of godhood in the sense of being able to teleport? Okay, I'll give you this quick example. I, okay. I'll give, okay. So when I was talking with Jason Reza Giorgiani and I had a very fascinating uh, live broadcast with him in uh, New York City, uh, but when I was talking to him in private before, he told me about a friend of his who was living among these Buddhist monks uh, in um, uh, wherever China took over. Oh, Tibet, what's wrong with me? Yeah. So he was talking about how the locals there told that guy that they regularly see these monks flying around, like Dragon Ball Z style. That's awesome. And, and Jason's idea here, like how do they know how to fly, his idea is that they've just been re reincarnating in the same place for so long that they're like part of this monk club. So when you reincarnate, you don't just like go to like some random farmer, but you like reincarnate where they can find you and they could just like continue the training. <laughs> you know, so it's like what you would do it for like uh, several lifetimes, then you better fucking learn how to fly by that point, you know? Sure, sure. And I guess uh, that's the, that's the question of like, can we, no. as not being monks, do the same shit? Can we retain the memories that were once lost and like keep going instead of just like forgetting everything? Uh, hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. Lev, that's a big. That's a big fucking question. To answer the question you asked right before that, though, of like what I want, like out of my life in the next, would you say, like, 20 years or something? Yes, yes. Uh, it's uh, a Gnostic informant. Correct me if I'm wrong, but don't the, the, the text say, you know, they uh, they say you can become like Christ, right? And they go, well, who was Christ? And they say Christ was a man who lived, who never burdened anyone. And that's what it meant to be Christ. Which text are you talking about? It's in the Nag Hammadi. I'm not sure. Yeah, which yeah, book. yeah. Oh, that's um, it's either the Gospel Maybe of Mary. Thomas. Thomas, yeah, Thomas, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, but that's, I mean, I really, really fucking, and I really enjoy life a lot, a lot. I find a lot of joy in it. The reason why I thought Mary for a second, because in Mary, it says something similar to that. It says, do not make laws like the lawless ones do. Like ah, laws are for lawless people. That's interesting. You yeah. shouldn't need laws. You should be good without the laws. Yeah. yeah. About that's, that. that's why it's important for me to not have a, uh, to work hard at not having a real job. I don't like, I want to spend today. I woke up just like every other day. I woke up at six 45. I meditated. My wife left for work and then I immediately sat down and started writing. And I wrote until, uh, until we had to do this around two. And then once this is done, I'm going to go back to, I love, I love reading. I love writing. I love working on things that I find to be very important to me. And uh, it took me a while to get to that position, and that's but that's really important to me. It's really important for me to not waste my time or my day. I work really, really hard at what I like doing, but it doesn't feel like work to me because I'm having so 
I'm having so much fun. It's gay. I'm having so <laughs> I'm having so much fun. It's actually really it's really cringe. But there's this there's this nectar. There's this spark in in me, and I like feeding it, and I like um, enriching the lives of my friends and of my loved ones. And uh, I don't I don't know. That's yeah. that's what I like doing. That's really what I like doing. Well, watch unfortunately, order. unfortunately, life is too short. Well, but. watching uh, Ben have fun uh, with uh, Devin and Chase, it's one of the most enjoyable experiences, and I mean this from the heart, man, like on any YouTube show that I see, because there is a genuine connection, not just like the brotherly connection that you have with Chase, but, uh, you know, that you have with uh, Devin. It just seems like you guys are having fun, and this is something that a lot of people, unfortunately, are lacking today, but it does kind of bring me to the question of Elon Musk here, because if he wants to now get us to this next level of being plugged into some kind of an algorithm, that seems to be the real killer of what you are trying to develop. And in talking with Meme Analysis, who I would definitely love to uh, bring out with all of you guys, and he is coming in on the 24th, uh, talking to Meme Analysis, he thinks that when we're heading into now this water bear Aquarius age, what that means for him is that there's going to be two separate streams of water of people going within and other people going outwards. And the people who are going outwards will be the ones powered by technology where they're not going to be able to exert their willpower on their life. It's going to be more of like them sitting down this roller coaster thing and just being like this cell and this giant superorganism. But the people who are then going to go within, they're going to be the people like Ben here and like Drew and Gnostic and who knows maybe myself where we're going to start meditating more and we're going to find out what exactly lies within when we are able to actually focus and concentrate and not be distracted by this uh, digital seductress that just wants to take us and put us in the goon cave forever gooning and uh, you know yeah, what I mean? it's going like to get harder Lev yeah. it's going to get harder I leave. I let my phone die. I leave it on the other side of the, of the house. I eat snacks or like take a shit here and there, and I'll I'll tweet something stupid. But like you gotta, you have to take your phone and put it in that James in the Giant Peach popcorn <laughs> bag with the candle, and you gotta put it in that every day and and send it out. You really gotta get rid of that. I don't know how to not. I don't know how to have my phone on me and not be on it. I don't know <laughs> right. how. It's like an it's like an anxiety thing. Like you're just like looking. Like you don't even think about it. Like some yeah. people just you know some people like uh bite their fingernails. Other people are just on their phone. Just yeah. Not even you know that it. viral I'm, video of all the old people in a line hitting the slot. Yeah, button? yeah. I feel like I'm I be I turn into that. My brain stops working. I turn it off, and I just get sucked. I get fucking sucked into it. Sucked into it big time. And now we have, for example, this uh, elf girl who I wrote. And by the way, guys, if you aren't following my Substack, shame on you. It's uh, levslens.com. Oh, the, the elf girl. Yeah, oh, the God. elf girl. I yes. know. The oh. new NPC Tomagachi. Exactly. Mm, cream. Pop, pop, pop. Exactly. Um, spicy. <laughs> Yeah, what was it? Uh, cat, cat paws, uh, rare or something like that. But yeah, like uh, that is an example of just this uh, Jungian anima because a lot of these mm -hmm. young people, they are attracted to the anime aesthetic and they see something in that that they just want to, you know, they want to protect her. They want to be the knight in shining armor for this uh, elf girl. But there's yeah. like all of these other beta orbiter simps around her that don't they feel like 
this is fake. You're not going to ever be able to be with her unless unless you drop the whole yeah. thing and just like focus on your career and like grow and maybe then you'll meet her. But at that point, would you even want her? Would you actually want to have somebody in your life who spends right. all of their time hey, online? It, do you Never. think it's the elf ears because it looks like a vagina? Is that the unconscious Maybe. thing there? Because why that? Why is it elf ears? It's not phallic. It looks like a pussy, right? Can I say pussy on the show? Sure, of course. Okay. Pussy's a beautiful word. Pussy cat, right? It's a cat. We're talking about yeah, cats. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. I know. I've, I've always thought of it. It looks like, like a cunt. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, well, in Britain, we'd be all right. But the elf ears, I don't know, Drew, what do you make? Because it's kind of like the djinn and the demons. Like they also have like the traditional pointy ears. And sometimes like the goblins, they have like the long noses. And, you know, it's like exaggerated human features. That's kind of what it is, which is kind of like the gray aliens, too. Because the gray mm -hmm. aliens Giorgiani was talking about this as well like most of these gray aliens like half of them are according to him these puppets these androids yeah. that were created by the um uh nordics and ben you know about the nordics right like the nordic yes. aliens yes. yeah so allegedly the nordic ancient are, aryans <laughs> well allegedly the blonde hair blue-eyed ancient uh uh, creators well, of advanced civilization. Here, here's the thing, though, and I'm still not sure what to make of them because, according to Johnny again, he interprets them as being the Nazis that discovered time travel and went back in time to the planet Mars and were going into like this transhumanist state. And mm -hmm. he does not see them as coming from planet Alderbaran. And he attributes <laughs> all of that as just like misinformation that these so called so, more sci fi. Yeah, exactly. So he is not on board with the whole Robert Seffer thing. I mean, r poor Robert Seffer. Here's the thing, all right? He shouldn't have lied. Okay. He shouldn't have lied about, you know, uh, about being, being Jewish. Yeah, about being Jewish. Because yeah, why would you make that? Why would you? What's the big, like, what was that about? That was yeah. Weird. Well, you can just like go and search for, you know, Ben Hur Seffer and search for that video where he's uh, premiering uh, his movie about the Holocaust. And right next you to did him, a whole yeah. video. Yeah. Like, this is my uh, ethnicity. I took a test. Yeah. I'm Aryan. Yeah. I'm, I'm Persian. All this. Like, my great grandfather was in the Nazi SS. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. He's yeah. yeah, he's an interesting, he's an interesting figure for sure. Um I would like to talk but, to him. I think he makes good content. I think he's something. Yeah, but he's but... never like I tried reaching out to him. Uh Ben, do you know who we're talking about? No. Robert Seffer. So he's the guy who had a lot of these various theories about the ancient aliens actually being like these uh, Nordics who came from somewhere far away and they're the people who seeded humanity. Giorgiani's interpretation is different. Giorgiani thinks that they're actually just people and they're like people mm. who achieve transhumanist, uh, uh, like a transhumanist mm. state in terms of their body and psychic powers and they went back in time. They, they colonized oh. Mars and then they created the moon. So the moon actually is fake. So they created the moon in order for the earth to be at a certain tilt in order to allow for life to function as it does now. And then they bred with the hominids, the early hominids, and created human beings. And in a way, you're saying, wait a minute, but if they created human beings, who created them if they're like these Nazis who went uh, back in time? And Drujani says, well, yeah, that's like a paradox, and that's the way it works. So no other explanation necessary, I guess. But anyway, mm. uh, that 
that is one theory, and the other theory is that these uh, ancient Aryan aliens came from outer space. But it's very strange, though, that you had somebody who had to lie about their uh, about their own personal genetic identity in order to talk about this. It shouldn't have been this way. But what Giorgiani thinks is going on here is that the reason why Robert Seffer, that's the dude who was like talking about a lot of these theories, the reason why he uh, lied about it is because the whole thing is like a psyop. And he intentionally lied in order to get people who were into a lot of this stuff uh, to be demoralized about this idea of there are like these, you know, ancient aliens and how evolution is a fraud and all of that. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's working or not. Giorgiani kind of called yeah. that out before everyone figured out about Sefer, too. Giorgiani kind of sniffed him out pretty quick. Giorgiani's a fucking genius, by the way. He's a say, very, what, yeah. say what you want about him. A, people, a lot of people hate him. I. I love the guy. I'm not, I'm not, I always will. Yeah, I, just, I, I, know, I'm fascinated I think I think um, I think uh, I think the time travel aspect is a lot more um, is more reasonable than, um, you know, them coming from like uni different universes or, or different galaxies or whatever. Um, but that's it's hilarious that we're talking about. Oh, yeah, well, that's a ridiculous theory. But, you know, what's really happening <laughs> is the time travel and they've made the moon. But actually, yeah, so, so that's interesting. But um, a fun fact uh, in terms of predictive programming in, you know, the last Avengers movie the of the 22 movies that ended in Endgame, which is essentially, you know, the core of the series. Everything else has just been pretty much shit. But um, it, it takes place in the Marvel Universe in 2023. Um, and that's when they time travel. Oh, sure. And. That's and uh, also X-Men, which was also created by Stan Lee, um, X, just like X. Iron Man. Nice. Um, yeah, X-Men, yes, with Professor X. Did you see uh, Elon call out Magneto, a.k.a. George Soros, <laughs> the Holocaust survivor? Of course were, he would. Of course yeah. he would. So anyways, the, in that movie, they made a time travel movie for X-Men as well, uh, Days of Future Past. That also takes place in 2023. Mm. Um. So yeah, we're and obviously with the with the alien disclosure stuff that's happening right now, there's um, there's obviously a, a lot going on this year, um, and I assume it's only going to get crazier. But um, what did I want to bring this back to? Um, well, the end. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to go in two minutes, by Ooh, the way. Okay. And everybody, follow okay. Nasik Foreman, by the way, before uh, you go. I just want to say that he is an amazing, amazing uh, creator of all these videos talking about ancient civilizations and oh, religions. Before, can we get your take yes. on the yeah, X thing? Yeah, that's yeah. perfect. So he sent me the clip. Yes. Turns out the clip he sent me was Dr. or Professor James Tabor and Simka Jacobovici, two of my really good friends who have been on my channel countless times. I went to Israel with them, and I'm going back to Israel with them. Like, these are my buddies. And uh, so I get now I, I now I know what you're saying. Tabor calls it a Tau because Tabor, that's how Tabor is. He's like a he's a Hebrew scholar. He's looking at the shape of it. It's a T. So he's not going to call it an X. He calls it correctly. He calls it a Tau. And that's sort of, that's sort of how sort of does it. And, and yeah, that's so. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Uh, as far as dating, though, that is a particular one from Pompeii, which is in the 60s or 70s. Okay. So it'd be like, which so is very around revelation very early right? on for 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 Christians that are already in Italy in the seventies. That's crazy. That's crazy. Wow. So and that's that's around when Revelation was written, correct? Pra, a couple couple decades, yeah, a couple decades before that. Yeah, like Nero. Nero. Time? I'd say I'd say Revelation probably in 
like 90, something like that. Okay. 80s, 80s maybe. I, well, actually, I think it's in the, the reason why I say that, I think it's written during Domitian's time because Domitian is like the second Nero and they call him a second beast. So I think it's, uh, I think it's written in 96. By the way, before uh, you go, I want to make sure, Ben, you also have to go pretty soon, right? Yes. The, yeah. I could stay on for a little bit longer. There is a but, super yeah. chat but for just you, to but say, I just say, say he, is, yeah. he isn't full of shit. Yeah. He's, he's getting, he's, he's, he's correct on that. So there we are. Yeah. So what's the what's the interpretation though? Because I actually rewatching, I was like, oh wait a second, what what exactly yeah, is how the Tau symbol is an early Christian cross. Mm-hmm. He's, say, he's saying, oh, we're in Pompeii in Italy, mm-hmm. and we're finding Christian symbols. This city was destroyed by a volcano in seventy nine. Mm-hmm. So there's no way that text that that cross can't be later than seventy nine. So a lot of other scholars are saying, come on, Tabor. What are you talking about? But Tabor actually thinks that's a Christian symbol in Pompeii in seven before seventy nine. Who knows when? Anywhere before seventy nine. So what is he saying? The relation to X's though, like uh, he's he well he's describing the shape of it as a town. Mm. That's okay. what he's saying. So I don't know if he's saying he's not saying like the earliest Christians were using that alphabet. He's saying that letter is the same shape uh, as the okay. Okay, gotcha. which makes a lot more sense, yeah. And now, I, so now I, I have no problem with what you said in the beginning. Interesting, okay, sweet. So we got two super chats over here. Glass cake, five pounds out of the silent planet by C.S. Lewis gives a first-person perspective on perception. A great sister art to the two slit experiment. So there we have uh, the great glass. What was cake. that called again? Uh, out of the silent planet by C.S. Okay. Lewis. So definitely Good. check that out. And Been we great, have. Guys. Thank you so much, Neil. Always a great pleasure. Please follow uh, Neil everywhere that he is. See you, Neil. See you, buddy. So now we have a super chat over here for Ben by Nathan Harger. For me? Yeah, for for you. Of course. How could it it not be? You're talking like it's strange. You know, how could there be a super chat for for old Bensky? Everybody Everybody loves loves Ben. Ben. Oh, shit. It's it's double now. Hold on. It's not going to be double for long. There There we go. go. Oh, okay, fuck it. I tried my best. I tried my best to make the screens work. Now, Ben, you're going to have to... Oh, there, here. Now we have three of us oh, on the screen. Everything's cool. fine now. Perfect. Okay, anyway. Anyway, here is the super chat for the great Ben. Uh, and it's nine ninety nine. Lemon Party, hate, watch, pod, fan here. But I've been getting into the realm of spirituality and philosophy presented by this fine channel. Aw, Thank you for all you do. I'm a big f- fat. <laughs> yeah, Nathan Harger rocks. I've his. I see his comments. Yeah, he's very good. Oh, and we got twenty dollars super chat. Did he say I'm a fat gyrtd? Yes, yes, yeah, yes very exactly. Very good, Nathan. Very yes. good. Well, you know, like Jesus always said, you know, blessed are the big fat uh, gay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Anyway, no, Pat- Jesus even di- would dine with the big fat gay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's probably fine. Who cares? A uh, Patrick Colin for twenty U.S. dollars. Thank you so much, Pat. Doing a super chat just so I can recommend the Proposition 2005 to Ben. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wait, who who commented that? Patrick Coglin. That's so funny because my good friend had told me he goes last night. He goes, you have to watch this movie. So I I'll, I will definitely watch it. It's from John Hillcoat. It's mm. a western that takes place in Australia. John Hillcoat's the guy who did the road, and he was very good friends with Cormac McCarthy, and he was gonna do the adaptation for Blood Meridian that Cormac was writing. I don't know if he. Cormac wrote the script before he died or what happened. But uh, oh, R.I.P. Yeah. The proposition is supposed to be really good. 
I'll have to uh, definitely check it out as well. Uh, so uh, anyway, I think we can uh, end this pretty uh, pretty soon. But I just have a couple of uh, questions here. So question number one: When it comes to being in this uh, possibly disembodied uh, virtual state, we talked about how to avoid it, but we didn't necessarily talk about what this future with Elon Musk is going to uh, look mm. like per se. So Drew and Ben, if you yeah. guys can use your imagination. How do you see, like, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, you're walking around the city? Will there even be people? Are they all just going to be living in their pods by that time? Uh, some uh, some predictions. Yeah. So, uh, oh, go ahead, Drew. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Do you mind if I start? I just go had, uh, just had something I, I wanted yeah, to yeah, say for sure. a sec. Um, so when we were talking, you know, we've been talking about transitioning in the age of Pisces. We talked about Aries. Um one thing I wanted to bring up was that age of Aries transition um, from the age of Taurus uh, when Abraham, when God basically banned child or sacrifice, human sacrifice in the Abrahamic religions, which I think is really the breaking off point between the Canaanites, Phoenicians and the you know traditional Abrahamic religions that became the Roman Empire, etc. Um, instead of killing his son, Isaac. God told him to kill the ram that was stuck in the bush. So that represents that that Aries ram, and that begins the Abrahamic age, um, age of Aries, moving to that. Then we have age of Pisces, the fish symbol used um, in Christianity. And the first pope, Peter, of course, was a fisherman. And now we have um, age of Aquarius. We have, um, you know, which is the water bearer, but it's also referred to as the knowledge bearer. And... That is why I think that Musk represents the same um, the same thing as like a Peter, if not, you know, a Christ, but um, uh, a first pope kind of thing um, is I think he is he does represent the knowledge bearer, except what he's, you know, the source of his information isn't, you know, divine inspiration. It's an A.I., which is ultimately what XAI is is going to be is um, is going to be the the knowledge bearer. Um, and yeah, I think that's, uh, that kind of goes into your question as well. Young would probably yeah. say the same thing, but very disappointedly. So <laughs> he would say what you said, but then he'd be sighing as he's saying, yeah. And I guess Elon is Christ for the age of Aquarius. I suppose it's a guy who likes memes and Dogecoin <laughs> and has nothing to say at all. Well, maybe that's where the real hellscape comes in that you're not really having somebody who is like a William Shakespeare or somebody who is able to have a cultural contribution to humanity where we're going to be telling, you know, the stories. Uh, it's more going to be like these recycled stories, like the Marvel memes, like we were talking about, where every iteration of them just seems to be a lot less, uh, a lot less powerful, a lot less nuanced, whatever you want to call it. It's like basic bitch stuff. Yeah, do you know well, uh, Oswald... multiverse of madness? That's all they have left is combining different all their different corporate stories, and they're just throwing it all into one, like fucking Spider Man. Like, oh, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take the last 20 years of all the different Spider-Mans that we made yeah. and throw it into one. Do you know that guy, uh, Oswald Spangler? Mm -hmm. He wrote it, The Decline of the West. Yes. He he uh, put civilization and he looked at it like seasons where it's, you know, uh, spring, summer, fall and winter. 
And he, you know, he had marks in these like th- probably three to 400 year periods of like, this was the spring of civilization. This was the summer. And he said that we would, the sign that we would be entering the winter of civilization, if I remember correctly, is he said, art will begin to mimic itself. That was a big telltale sign. It's literally exactly what Drew was talking about, where civilization is completely decaying and it's going to die before it's hopefully someday reborn again, if the earth's not too hot or something. Well, that's what I think is is interesting, too. And again, it goes to Lev's earlier question as far as, you know, are we being led to something devious or is it, was it always going to happen? And to some degree, I think these advancements, you know, whether or not Elon gave millions of dollars and, and founded OpenAI before, you know, it turned into chat GPT. And now mm-hmm. he has, um, he has a reason to not only form XAI, um, but he also has a reason to fix the problem that he created. He also has Neuralink to give humanity a, a, a reason or a ability to compete with it. Um, I, you know, to some degree it was, it was probably always going to happen. We've been setting this up. Even we've been doing what AI has been doing. We've been making movies about the making of movies. We've been Mm. making TV shows about the making of TV shows. What the fuck? We've been doing this before AI mm -hmm. even did it. It And we made TV shows. We made TV shows about people reading into predictive programming Mm -hmm. in comic books to predict the future, which utopia is like. The biggest mindfuck uh, of all time. Have you seen that one, Ben? You seen Utopia TV series? I don't. I'm looking it up. It's uh, so it was originally a uh, British TV show in, in 2013, um, and then it uh, became a U.S. I believe Netflix or no, I think it was Amazon exclusive in 2020. It came out in fall of 2020, and the concept is there's a bioweapon pandemic that is a setup to get everybody to take this vaccine that actually sterilizes everyone and reaches oh, the goal gotta of, be careful. of 500 I million. This, I'm just describing utopia, di- dystopia 2020, or I mean, uh, utopia. Hey man, every time I see some shit like this, I just go, cool, man, that's awesome. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I don't know what they, to say. I don't know they, what to The say. main characters literally use, they use a comic book series and based off of the clues that are in the comic book series, they use it to accurately predict what's going on. Um, and that's like, yeah. Anyways, they canceled the second season. Um, lo and behold. Uh, so there's no more second season, uh, going that's on. The, in the, uh, in the US what, version. That's the, um, um, what's that? Uh, it's not a mimetic fallacy. What is it? It's the, where, uh, uh, when people are trying to explain like how eyesight works, they say, Oh, well, there's a little man inside your head watching. Uh, what is it? Uh, fuck, what is it? I'm trying to remember what it is. Do you know what I'm talking about? About the little guy inside your head? It's a fallacy. I forget what it is. Mm. Well, there is a little man inside all of your heads <laughs> that's making you reach for the subscribe button and click it right now. I think it was and like the bell uh, and the bell exactly. and the super chat button. It's yes, a fallacy it's... where someone's trying to describe how eyesight works. And they say there's a little man inside your head that can see what you're seeing. And they go, well, who's inside the little man's head? And so then the, then the idea would, it would go infinitely inward where there's a little man inside his oh, head. Oh, it's the homunculus, homunculus argument. Oh, That's the homunculus argument. Okay, thank you. I knew there was a homunculus involved, but I didn't know what yeah. the well, idea it's a, it was. It's a similar question. Where they, of the, when uh... someone uses the thing itself to explain the thing itself. Mm, yeah, I see what you mean. It's like, uh, 
it's like the puppeteering we were talking about earlier. Yes. You know, like where exactly is the unmoved mover? Where exactly yeah, does yeah. that uh, does that start? Because that's I, yeah. what we're doing with that Utopia show. We're watching characters tell a story by them seeing characters tell a story in a thing of characters seeing people in a book telling it. It's and it just goes infinitely inward. Exactly. If I understand the plot correctly. Mm-hmm. But uh, the one last question that I've had uh, that I've had on my mind, which I do want to address, is going back to Christianity and going back to uh, let's say the um, the Hebrew religion, you know, the Old Testament as well. When we have this understanding of these various epochs, where we're only talking about a few, we're talking about Aries going into uh, the fish, going into the water bearer. That's still like in terms of galactic time. That's so little. That's such a small amount mm-hmm. of time. And so the mm-hmm. question is. I am not saying that the kind of faith that people have in what they, I think, correctly perceive and what you correctly perceive to be good works and what exactly you focus on as opposed to being like some Aleister Crowley drug addict uh, <laughs> fuck, uh, fuckhead. Like, that to me is an objective good. I can't, like, write a thesis and tell you, like, why that's good, but I think it's something that goes beyond being able to write, which, again, I understand the attractiveness that Christianity has to people who do recognize that quality within their own lives. But then if we take a step back and ask, well, if Christianity is this one very particular epoch of time having to do with this constellation, all right, what about everything else? What about Scorpio? What about, uh, you know, uh, I don't remember all of them, Leo or whatever, well, you know, like well, what yeah, happens Taurus, then? Taurus, the previous one to Aries was, that's when they were doing the ball. Um, that's where they were doing the ball mm-hmm. sacrifice, the bull god, um, child sacrifice. So it's it's kind of just like, a, you know, in some degree, a symbol of the the dominant philosophy and uh, culture of the uh, of the epoch, but yeah, no, I, I mean, going back to just just a fun reference, the the age of Leo, um, that is basically the time frame that Plato gives for Atlantis, um, and it's also the um, that is in that time frame, which is eleven thousand six hundred years ago or so. Um, in that time frame, the pyramids would have been aligned with Orion's belt, and the, the Sphinx. Sphinx would be facing the constellation Leo during on the, the equinox. I believe the equinox, yeah, yeah, so, exactly. And that would have been like fifteen thousand years ago, or something crazy like that, right? So that's yeah. that's the other interesting thing here. But again, it brings me back to this question of if we are imagining our life as being like this spinning, uh, you know, the spinning cycle. And then we have certain things that either push us more inwards, more towards the earth, more towards being more, I guess, animalistic, for lack of a better word, and then other things that can push us out. Two things here could possibly happen. Number one is that this particular life that we are in is, I mean, I hate using the word simulation, simulation theory, because I don't really... people imagine that having to do with like some scientists sitting down in a lab somewhere, you know, with like bad teeth and just like programming all of our existence. That's not what I mean. What I mean is one way of looking at this world is that everything, including all those galaxies and, you know, various things that we see through the telescope 
it's all kind of there to trick us in a way to make us perceive that there is something more out there, even though the focus is actually just like on the earth and everything around it is more of like the supporting character to the story that's going on here. That's one way of looking at it. But then the other way of looking at it is that the earth is in this specific place in the galaxy where it's undergoing these specific things based on the level of advancement of the beings that reincarnated on this planet. But then there's like other planets and other galaxies everywhere and people have different experiences on those as well and that's, I am that's torn. Uh, the core of scientology as well that's that's essentially their their belief that we were that humanity was delivered here by uh xenu with a big x exactly. and he what the problem was overpopulation so he took half of the population to earth and um and blew them up in volcanoes and then they became phaetons not to be confused with Thanos, the guy who was also concerned with depopulation that, you know, came and visited Earth at the end of the Marvel movies. Um, but yeah, I think I think ultimately you're the the concept you're laying out there as far as, you know, is should a human think about, you know, Earth as the core of the experience or, you know, or are we just a blip and it's, you know, insignificant, you know, what's the best perspective? Well, I, w to have? I wouldn't use the word insignificant. I would use mm -hmm. the word that we would be then on a very particular level having to do with our like literal position in the galaxy where we're not in the mm -hmm. center, we're not further away. So we would be of a certain vibration that would be correct for where we are. Not saying mm -hmm. it's a blip, but just saying like we can define our level just like, for example, if you're born in like a third world country, you can define your level of advancement based on, you know, the environment around you, whether like the cars are breaking down or not, things like that. So that's more of what I mean, as opposed okay. to like being bored like in the in the first world somewhere, you know, like in uh, the Hamptons or wherever, you know, mm -hmm. like being born somewhere where it's like a paradise and that would be the equivalent of being reincarnated in a better part of the galaxy where there's like less wars that are going on, there's less hunger, people are smarter, whatever. So that that's more of what I mean. I, I think just to, I guess I guess um, the my comment would be irrelevant to, to that maybe or maybe tangentially important. But um, I think just to go back to the alien question, which is obviously very tied into Musk, um, is this i see as far as you know we were talking about earlier like old oh, time travel versus they come from a different place whatever um as far as ufos and and aliens in in particular um one there's no reason to believe ufos or aliens come from anywhere but earth there's no reason to believe that that's just the only reason we kind of have that idea that you oh there's a ufo that must be from outer space that's just all from the sci-fi programming you know, which basically happened at the exact same time, thanks to Werner von Braun working with Walt Disney and then Star Wars and George Lucas, you know, kingpin of which that whole Star Wars series is based off of Crowley's Moonchild. The idea that there's light magicians and dark magicians mm -hmm. fighting over the chosen one. Um, but uh, that I think that concept is at the core of w the difference between what they want us or what's being programmed, what the they want the population to think is like, you know, there's all these other aliens and humanity's inf insignificant and you're insignificant. And there's, there is no God aliens created you um, versus, you know, kind of more, okay. They are just an advanced civilization. Um, we've had advanced civilizations previously on earth. And maybe these people that are visiting us now are either, um, you know, people that joined their civilization or got their technology or, you know, some descendants of these ancient groups 
And then the other thing is the aliens, I think also is it's the, the grays that they're going to bring out and they've, you know, shown us before or, in, or you know, had reports of are most likely, you know, just biological experiments and, and that's um, and genetic modifications or whatever, um, which that predictive programming is in both DOSX, the video game and mm. uh, Watchmen. Um, I'm going to take another bathroom break. I'll, sure. I'll hand it over to Ben. All right. And Ben, uh, we're going to be uh, concluding soon. But uh, in terms of these various ways of explaining our reality, I mean, I know that none of us have the answers, really. But if you were to lean on whether, let's say, Drew is right about so his view is more of having the planet Earth be the kind of like be all end all place where everything is kind of decided here. And this is the entire reason for existence, as mm -hmm. opposed to there being like other planets and galaxies somewhere where people are having different experiences. Yeah. Uh, which one would you align yourself more I guess I would say if there are other planets where there are other people and civilizations, I would say they're just as meaningless as this one. <laughs> That's oh, what man. I would say. That's what I would say. There's a whole other there's a whole That's other such place. a bummer. That's so sad. That's there's a whole other there's a whole other place that's that's actually real and it's not this place. Well, in that place, like uh, they're also watching Marvel movies and uh you know, gooning and things like that. Like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're all just watching porn, and <laughs> they're they're watching the girl with the elf ears eat the spicy jalapenos on TikTok. Well, the girl with the elf ears, and we were talking about the greys before. There is a similarity to them as well because that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's true. With like yeah. the big bulbous heads and the mm -hmm. anime eyes. In fact, there's this picture that I posted. Once again, if you guys are not on the uh, Lev's Lens Substack, I don't know what you're doing with your lives. This is the greatest Substack of all. Oh my God. We just got $100, Ben. Who did? We just got a. Okay, ma well, I did. But anyway, it's Mama Lover 67. 100 US dollars. Woo! Wow, nice. And here's what he says. Glasses are gay. Love you, Benifer, and thank you for the live. Thank you for the live what? <laughs> Nothing. Just thank you for the live. That's it. That's all Mama Lover has to say. And we were just talking about a, a, a DPS earlier. Drew, Drew, mm -hmm. the stream just got $100. Super chat. Whoa, damn, who's Daddy Warbucks jumping in the chat here? It's not, CIA well, it finally, ain't, it ain't Daddy, it ain't Daddy, it's Mama, Mama Lover 67. They we definitely are really drunk or and <laughs> fucked up on all sorts of different prescriptions. Good. And they meant to send either a dollar or ten, and they sent a hundred. <laughs> that's, that's literally exactly what happened. Let's go. See, this There's, is out. This is they, they think you're me and I'm you. <laughs> they just see a green shirt and glasses. They have no idea what's going on. Yeah, they uh, they probably meant to send that to my PayPal. So uh, just, just go ahead and toss that my way. <laughs> this is the uh, gray alien elf spectral wife who's working. Like, this was the other point that I was getting at. Regardless of whether it's only about the planet Earth or it's about, like, everything the universe what is still in effect is this idea of different dimensions where you would have these elves and fairies and uh, these bulbous-headed gray aliens as being the spectral force which interacts with us. 
and the reason why it looks like the way it looks like. For example, like Ben, have you ever done DMT? No, I never have. All I've right, done uh, psychedelics, but welcome I've never to the done Joe DMT. Rogan podcast. <laughs> So you've done psychedelics, though. So with the yes. psychedelics, you would notice like certain beings, let's say they would look like things that you already kind of know. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like they would, for example, take the form like for ayahuasca trips. People would see like the forms of jaguars and and like uh, mosquitoes, you know, things. It, it wouldn't be like things you're totally unfamiliar with. And the reason why I think it's important is that. I consider this to be like this daimonic force that is a part of us. It's a part of the collective unconscious that Jung was talking about. And I write about in the Substack how the fairies and the elves and like all of these things that we're very much attracted to, things we think about, they look like us but slightly different because in a way they are mirroring our desires. And the only desires that we could possibly have are things that we already kind of know. Like we know what a human looks like and from there on we can like expand it into like like a human with like these pointy looking ears or like these big anime like mm -hmm. eyes and it's still like something that's mirroring oh, a human being. Oh shit. The the oh my god the elf the hot booby elf ladies on TikTok those are the archons. The yeah. machine elves are the builders of the demiurge. Exactly. This mm. makes perfect it's so satanic. That's why people Damn. want to fuck elves. Gnostic informant, where are you, bro? <laughs> this is all you right here. Oh, he'd be flipping out right yeah. now. Yeah. Well, this you is know groundbreaking. I will I will send this to him. And you know what, fellas? I think it's about high time we have a live stream in New York City. I've got the venue. We're gonna go to New York City. Ben, when the time is right, Drew, you're in New York City. So it's gonna mm -hmm. be easy for you. And Neil's coming, and we're gonna have a live break the rules just like with your Johnny and it's going to be great and I'm very and I'm very excited about the possibility when it works out for you guys that's going to be the I'm next I'm hoping step. to publish a book sometime early next year and then I'll have to go to New York and go on people's shows to promote it and stuff in which case I'd be happy to do yours Excellent. Thank you so much, Ben. We yeah. will do it. And by the way, guys, if you want to be like a VIP member to get access to all of these events uh you for, for free patreon.com slash break the rules i cannot stress this shit enough okay become a patron right here right now well 20 dollar patron if you become a 20 dollar patron you are going to get access as a vip to these live btr events where you're going to be able to get there earlier and hobnob you know with uh, all these wonderful people like drew and ben and you're going to be part of the inner circle. And I'm going to invite you to all kinds of great events that are happening in New York City because now I am plugged in. I am plugged in to the other kind of matrix, to the matrix of the people who are trying to figure out what all this is about and not get stuck into this goon cave of perpetual coming and the draining of the vril energy away from you while you're mm -hmm. watching these cybernetic elf girls, you know, mm -hmm. uh, jiggle and wiggle and whatever. You know what I'm trying to say here, guys. It's the next step. We are what was going on in ancient Greece with the symposium when, like, things were going chaotically when they were losing in the Peloponnesian War, you know, and everything was going to shit. That's when the real philosophy started coming out, guys. It wasn't when things were good. It was when things are crap. So we got to use this right now to advance our knowledge of what's going on around us. We got to use the tools at our disposal, but at the same time making sure that we would do not give ourselves to the Elon Musk X and Christ as well. That's all I got to say. Final plugs. Uh, let's start with Ben. Ben, uh, Lemon Party. Yeah, uh, Black Power, uh, Donate to BLM, 
yeah. Donate to the DNC. Those are all my plugs right there. Donate oh, yeah. to, yep, yep, uh, just raising a fist. Buy there. large mansions, BLM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't need the uh, leash that time around. I really like that bit, by the way. Guys, watch the latest Lemon Party episode where, Ben, you talk about how, you know, you're getting somewhere and then somebody takes the leash and like, like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, when I go too far and Jason Devin are like, chill out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Forgot about that. That's a lot of fun. No, seriously. These, these two coming out this next week yeah. are fucking, they're really bad. In a they're good way. way. They're, yeah, they're way too far. I got to... <laughs> I don't have the heart to listen back to them yet before I edit them, but uh, I probably won't edit anything out. But yeah, they um, the one that's coming out on Patreon burns a lot of br- whatever. Who cares? Whatever. The room gets hot in the summer, and I can't I can't have a filter, so it's just it's like ninety degrees in my house. Yeah. No, Ben, you are like pure unfiltered cigarettes, like the ones they used to get, like in the World War II. Uh, um, uh, mm. You know, like the um, I love that guy, Steve, nineteen eighty nine. He does all those videos of. Uh, I've seen him. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, like the yeah. MREs. But anyway, Drew, what do you got to plug, brother? Um. Yeah. So uh, just follow me on Twitter um, at Drew Tang Reborn. D R U Tang Reborn. Um, and, uh, yeah, if you're, if you want to get a better idea of what I was talking about as far as Elon Musk and perhaps, uh, find some more, um, evidence that makes, perhaps will make you think I'm less of a schizophrenic than you do right now, then go ahead and check it out. It's, uh, I, uh, it took me like 14 hours to write it. It's pretty, uh, pretty long, but I think it's, uh, paints a pretty important picture given our uh, current age. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on love is awesome. Yeah, thank re- you, Lev. Thank, thank you, you guys. Highly recommended. Oh, and we got two super chats. I just want to say those before oh, we sure. go. So, Erico's nine ninety nine pounds fav- favorite numbers and why? Mm. Uh, twenty eight, thirty three, um, twenty two and eight are also out there. I'd, I'd give those my uh the, the top right. four. All and right. uh, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. Keep going. Oh, so in numerology, uh, 28 um, refers to, uh, it's basically like the ultimate uh, number of money. Um, and it's based off of the moon cycles, 28 days, and, and the concept of money itself is also, uh, it's, it's moony. Same, moony. same core of the word as, uh, as month, which obviously is, is about the moon. Um, and, then, uh, and then also... Oh, I guess the other one, 33, is pretty obvious. The um, Club 33. You know, 30, 33 vertebrae of the spine. So, mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah, it's it's pretty important overall. Absolutely, it is. Ben, favorite numbers? Uh, give, favorite numbers. Give us a favorite color, too, while, while you're uh, Favorite color. I really like yellow and... Like, uh, like a lemon. Yeah, right? like a lemon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yellow represents like you know, it represents like yellow light. power. Like what are you light. Talking about? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> and uh, favorite numbers are probably when David Lynch used to pick numbers every day, and I watched every morning. The ones that would make me have a really good day were number nine and numbers. I really liked two and three and one. And the number that would give me a bad day would be eight. So I would say, I would say, I really like number nine. I really like number seven. I'm going to go with nine, though. I really like nine. Nine's a good number. Yeah. 
the uh, the Chinese love love nine. The Chinese yeah, love eight, nine. Yeah, there 18, we go. 18, Yellow 18 power. That's what we're talking about. In in uh in Rocky two, it's the the one time he mentions numerology as he goes, he sees the address of his new place and he goes, "Oh, it almost equals uh nine. That's a good omen." So he says uh, it almost equals nine. <laughs> yeah, and his pre his previous place did uh, his previous address did, but um, but yeah, there's like I was I just um I run a, a group that um focuses on numerology and stuff, and I asked one of the guys like, how did you like first get interested in numerology? He said I was a real estate agent in Canada, and at one point, um, a house with the address eighteen went up for sale, and it there was a huge bidding war with a bunch of Chinese people. And they bid it up like five hundred thousand over asking price. Mm. So, yeah, they they like nine. Yeah, they treat that stuff very seriously. The Chinese with like the I Ching and things like that. Okay, so uh, finally, the final two super chats. We had one more coming in. So uh, let's see. I got to scroll up here because for some reason stream labels and is showing the actual chats. Here we go. Moas turtleneck, five U.S. dollars, lemon character holding his hand in front of his mouth. Did you grinning. really call him Moist? <laughs> moist yes it's not moist am i wrong how do you it's say literally that? the word moist fine miller rain five US dollars lemon character moving his head from left to right with his mouth wide open and Hell red yeah. hearts in his eye what is this is this like are they trying to create like an emoji and it's just like the text of the emoji i don't know what's going on anymore fellas thank you guys so much for watching i really appreciate moist <laughs> what's so funny about that it's his name come on Les. <laughs> guys thank you so much for watching i appreciate it follow me on twitter at lev poe and once again subscribe to my fucking Substack. all right Le uh at it's very easy to remember here is the link i'm posting it and also uh the uh patreon patreon.com slash break the rules very important as you guys know and yeah, follow the Discord. You could find, I'm too lazy to type it in. You could find it in the description, all right? We have a Discord. All right, thank you guys so much. Mwah. Good night, everybody.